Thank you, Josh, Brian, and uh, so good to be with you today. I, I uh, well, first of all, before I share that, uh, I really love. I told Josh after the first service how much I enjoyed that song. So, such a powerful message for our time today. This crazy pandemic we're in is a reminder to all of us that. We are, you know, uh, we're not dependent on, uh, I mean, we, we just cannot let this world define our worth. In fact, the, there's a little phrase that became the theme of my life um, years and years ago. Uh, and I've actually written a couple of books. One I just published this last year uh, called The Key is to Be. A discipleship process for Christians. The key is to be. We live in a culture that deifies doing. And uh, everybody wants to know, well, what's the bottom line? Or what did you do today? Uh, you know, or what's the guy that known by the phrase, just get her done? That's one of some comedian, if you remember, just get her done. That's, you know, and I mean, you've got to do things. We've all got to do things. But if that's how we measure our worth, then when you start to get my age and you can't do what you once did, am I not as worth worth of a human being as I once was? Or you'd have to say, what about a brand new baby? That baby hadn't done anything. But of course, we know that baby has eternal worth. And that's because of the worth the Lord gives us. And so the key is to be. I was this particularly... Uh, it's highlighted so many ways in our culture, and this is a sermon before the sermon, so please bear with me. But uh, but a year ago in the spring, when they they postponed the 2020 Olympics, of course, till just just recently, there was an article in the news leader about the postponement of the Olympics, and they had a quote in there from Simone Biles, the you know fabulous gymnast. And Simone said, she said, you know, without gymnastics and without competition, I just don't know who I am. You know, it's so sad when we get our worth by a job that we have or by how much we own or what we possess. But yet that's really the mantra of our culture. But we as Christians gain our worth from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our foundation, our hope. And so, I mean, we all struggle during this pandemic. There are things we miss doing. But it needs to be a reminder to us that ultimately my worth, my value, my life is in the Lord. So, anyway, thank you, Josh, for that great song. I really, really love that. And glad to be with you today. I appreciate your prayers. Of course, I wasn't able to be here last week uh, because my father, my 92-year-old father, went to be with the Lord. Uh, great man, uh, great mentor, and uh, he, he, it was time. He had declined health-wise. He was still at home. Thank the Lord, my mother with help, was able to care for him at home, but he had declined to the point that it was a real blessing 
that he went to be with the Lord a week ago Wednesday. And then I've been dealing with another family issue. I've been with my mother all this past week as she has COVID. Now, she's better, much better. I have a sister's there now, and in fact, the sister uh, returns to Kansas City tomorrow, and my mom's in a position to where she can take care of herself. But uh, we're just praising the Lord for that. And uh, I've been wearing a mask a little extra for several reasons. Now, I was vaccinated several weeks ago. I had COVID and had this antibody infusion, if any of you have gone through that. So I've kind of had the triple whammy and should be, I should be safe, but I'm wearing a mask just to be double, double cautious. And uh, just the day kind of in which we live, just the day in which we live. Well... I, uh, uh, like you, uh, am sad to see Von go. In fact, I told him when he told me, he called me several weeks before he announced it to the church, and I said, well, Von, my first reaction is I want to take you out behind the woodshed and work you over. But I totally understand and uh, support him, as I know you all do. But when a church loses a pastor... There's a process the church goes through. There's grief, there's sadness. Maybe some people even a little angry. Oh, what my pastor doing? I wasn't expecting him to retire yet. There may be all kinds of all kinds of emotions, and that's natural. You, you just don't want to get stuck there, like the death of my own father recently. I grieve my father's death. I'm sad to see him go, but I'm not going to get stuck. In the past, and not, he would not want me to do that, just of course as your pastor would not want you to get stuck in, in his leaving. We've got to move on. We've got to move forward. This church has a bright future, a terrific future, and God right now is out there preparing your next pastor. The key is for the church to be patient and to work with the Lord so that at the right time, He's going to bring your new pastor and family uh, to, to you, and bring you to them. And uh, that will be a great day of celebration and forward-looking. The, uh, uh, National Heights is in good position for this interim. You've got wonderful leadership. I know many of your leaders, if not all of them, wonderful leadership. And uh, the Lord's placed these people in leadership positions, your staff, your deacons, other leaders, for just this time, just this moment. And the church is well organized. We talked earlier highlighting Sunday school teachers. Your church is well organized. And uh, as I've shared with your, your, your deacons and other leaders, the church needs to now call an interim pastor. We're so blessed in our area to have a number of qualified men who would be excellent interim pastor for you. So be praying for that. And, uh, you know, uh, your leadership will guide in making a wise decision very quickly, I know, in that regard. And then, you know, you begin the search for a new pastor. But that's going to take time. I just, yeah, I, I just, uh, one of my, uh, probably a key uh, part of my ministry is to encourage churches during the interim and to give them some guidance and direction during the interim period. An interim period in a church is, uh, it, it can be a, a kind of an anxious time. People wonder, well, who's, you know, 
who's in charge and who's making decisions and those kinds of things. But but God's given good leadership to you, and an interim pastor can help kind of tamp down some of that anxiety, as well as help guide you through steps in preparation for the call of a new pastor. And and just be patient. God works through our patience and pray, obviously, lots of time in prayer. A church is a natural system. It's like a body or a family. And the process of a church finding and, and calling a new pastor takes time. And if you rush it, or if people get so anxious they put undue pressure on the search committee, it can turn out disastrous. It just takes time. Again, like a family, one kind of analogy would be, you know, how many of us haven't raised teenagers, and when they were about 12 or 13, we really had the attitude of, I'm done. I want this kid to grow up. And how many of us wouldn't even have thought, well, if we could have gotten away with it, here's the car keys, I've rented you an apartment down the street, you're on your own. But we know we can't do that. Kids take time to mature and to grow and develop, and we can't hurry that. If we hurry it, it's disastrous. One time I was sharing all this with a a large church in our association, and one well-meaning little older guy raised his hand and said, Well, Pastor Mike, he said, You know, God could send us a pastor in three months if he wanted to. And I said, He could. God could send your church a pastor in three months. And I said, God could take a young woman who just became pregnant and he could bring the baby developing in her womb to full term and a healthy birth in three months if God wanted to. But I said, in the history of the world, I've never known of that to happen. That's because God has established processes within this world. And if we violate God's processes, just like if we try to send a teenager out too soon, or if we try to uh, uh, get a baby to be born more quickly than is appropriate, we pay dire consequences. So the church is a natural system, and you just need to be patient. Be patient, trust your leadership, work with the Lord, and it will be a great day of celebration when that that new pastor and his family arrives. God has, again, a, a great dynamic future for this church, and it will be exciting for me to see how that develops in the months and years to come. And I want to talk about a praying church. A praying church. This is a critical juncture for your church. Time of transition. In some respects, a new beginning. Important decisions that have to be made. The church needs clarity and unity. It's imperative that you know the mind of God. And that happens... Through prayer. I've asked Brian to read a couple of passages for us this morning. First of all, Brian, Acts 1.14. If you would read that, please. Alright, Acts 1.14. 
All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, and together with this woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And then 242. Acts 242. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The early church, obviously, was at a critical juncture, a new beginning. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed and prayed and prayed. Now, I know many of you are people of prayer. I'm impressed with your prayer ministry tonight. I was here the night we, we celebrated uh, Vaughn and Marcia's retirement and said goodbye to them. And you went out in the neighborhoods prayer walking that night. I know this is a praying church. But what I'm asking you to do is even step it up a little more than normal. You must pray personally and corporately. The enemy's greatest strategy, his most devastating plan, is to divide the church. If he can get us divided, we don't have energy, resources, focus to reach a world in need of Christ. Prayer results in unity. As we, we hear again those passages that Brian read, it's about unity. The early church was coming together in unity. In unity there's power and vision and direction. I, uh, I love Aesop's fables and one of my favorites is about a wolf and three bulls. You may remember that old fable. It, it, it seems as though this, there was this wolf that lived in the woods right next to this beautiful pasture meadow. This wolf would just sit on the edge of the woods and drool over these three bulls that grazed together in the meadow. The wolf longed, he desperately was hungry, wanted so much to attack and devour those bulls. But they grazed so closely together that he knew if he attacked one of them, the other two would attack him and he wasn't strong enough to withstand them. So he thought and he looked and was hungry. Finally, he came up with a scheme, a devious plan. One day, he quietly tiptoed out from the woods, came up next to a bull, not so aggressively that it would alarm the bull, and he just sat down there and waited, and in a few minutes he began to whisper so only that one bull could hear him. He began to say things like, you know, those other two bulls are saying bad things about you behind your back. You know, those other bulls, they really don't like you very much. He just kind of continued to do that. The next day, he snuck out and got beside another bull. And he did the same thing, just sowing discord, sowing seeds, thoughts of division. 
Before very long, the three bulls began to graze further and further apart. It's almost imperceptible at first, but they began to graze further and further and further apart until finally they were grazing far enough apart to where the wolf could attack and eat each of them. That's exactly Satan's strategy. And he wants to use an interim time in a church to fulfill his devious plan. So he's at work now. I want to tell you, I know him. He's at work now, uh, causing some, you know, concern in people's minds or some little something will happen over here and it'll get blown out of proportion or something will happen and people won't go and talk about it. Prayer. Prayer brings unity. Prayer opens us to communicate with one another. You know, even if we're apart, far apart or having problems, if we're both focused on the Lord, if our attention is on God, then the closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other. Prayer. Prayer results in unity. Second, as we look at these texts and the spirits of the early church, we realize that prayer is about the future. As you read these Acts passages and read on in Acts chapter 2 following verse 42, it was about the future. They were, they were looking forward to the future. What was next? Seeking God's wisdom and guidance. The Lord's Prayer. What's the Lord's Prayer say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Prayer is about the future. Now, this church has a rich past. And we don't want to discount the past or the importance of a great past. But we can't get focused on the past. Prayer focuses us on the future. A number of years ago, uh, well, first of all, our association has a partnership with the Northwest India Baptist Association. I know some of you, such as Doris, have been involved with that. And others have been aware of it. And a number of years ago, I was actually returning from India on a mission trip. And I met my wife, uh, Robbie, in London for a little vacation following that trip. And uh, in India, <clears throat> very few church buildings where we, are, where we partner in northwest India. Most of the churches meet in homes or even in outside in village neighborhoods. But the church is just on fire. I mean, people are coming to Christ and God is doing miraculous things in, in the struggling church there in northwest India. But it's so exciting. Everything's about the future. They're focused on the future. Well, when what Robbie and I were in England, we loved to take in the history and we toured a number of the cathedrals. If some of you ever traveled in Western Europe, you, you, you know those big old fabulous uh, Middle Ages cathedrals, some amazing things. And when you go to one of these cathedrals, you're met at the door by a church warden. That's somebody who is a, a kind of an expert on the history of that cathedral. And they're also a tour guide, typically. <clears throat> but what's so interesting is... The focus on those old cathedrals is the past. And those cathedrals are empty. They're just museums 
A few people might gather on Sunday for a worship. A few might come during the week for prayers. But for the most part, they're empty because they're focused on the past. They're looking to the past. National Heights needs to look to the future. You've got a bright future. God's got amazing things to happen for this church in the future. And it begins with prayer. In fact, let me give you a warning. If you don't want your church to realize God's will, if you don't want to be responsible and move to serve, to give, to sacrifice, then don't pray. Because prayer has a way of setting God free to do His work in our lives as well as in our church. There are 667 specific prayers reported in the Bible with 454 traceable answers. God answers prayer. Finally, prayer leads to action. Communion with the Master leads to vision, energy, and service. As you see here in the book of Acts, as they began to pray, they were set to work. They were free to begin to serve. And and Jesus, the night before he called the disciples, perhaps you'll remember, spent the whole night in prayer. The transfiguration, when Jesus communed with the Father on the Mount of Transfiguration, coming down from that mountain, he was on a path to Jerusalem and the cross. And of course, who could fit, forget uh, the great prayer time the Lord Jesus had the night of Gethsemane, right before he was arrested and the cross. The Lord has a dynamic Fruitful, impactful future for National Heights Baptist Church. It begins with prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, we just praise you and thank you for your presence during these moments together. What a precious, amazing God you are. What a joy it is to share in worship with this family of faith. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Vaughn and Marcia and their great ministry for all these 23 years here at National Heights. And now, though, we recognize that as they move on with their lives, we move on and this church moves on with its purposes under you. Lord, right now you're preparing an interim pastor to come and be uh, their interim pastor and, and help bring stability, preach the word, be led by your spirit these next months. And then, Lord, you're preparing the next pastor. How exciting to think of that right now, somewhere out there around the world, you at this moment are, are preparing your, your, your training and leading and teaching the man and family who will be the next pastor of National Heights Church. Guide the church forward, the leaders, the search team, and the church as they move forward according to your precious timetable and will. Guide us in your grace, Lord. We trust and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.